0: Welcome to another edition of Expanding Mind. I'm your host Eric Davis. Continuing our conversations about the cultures of consciousness, and conversation is the word. Uh, one of the uh, tendencies I found in doing the show uh, eight years now is there's a tension between having a conversation and having an interview. And as a as a journalist for you know many decades, I don't do so much of it right now, but I, I used to do a lot of it. Um, I'm pretty good at the interview mode. And in fact, when I meet people, uh, I'm often much more comfortable asking them about their lives than than sharing much of mine. It's a very natural thing for me to do, to kind of tune in and figure out what people are going on, you know, what people are talking about, what they're on about, where they're coming from. And I love it. It's fun. So it makes me a good interviewer. Um, But I realize that, um, especially now, for whatever reason, that I'm more interested in in pushing it towards a conversation. And I think that already happens even if I'm, you know, someone puts out a book, I'm excited about the book, uh I read it, I get where it's coming from, we have a talk and I ask them about the book and da da da. You know, that often uh flowers into a conversation and to the degree that this is a successful podcast, the meaning of which I don't really know how to assess, but to the degree that it is successful, it's partly because I think that it's not really an interview show, even though I'm a good interviewer. Um, and so it was partly with these thoughts in mind that, uh, I invited, uh, my good old friend, Ed Phillips on the show today, Uh, To just talk about, uh, well, we'll see what we're going to talk about. Um, We had we had a few uh, ideas that we were bouncing around in in email and such, and we uh, don't see each other very much anymore. Um, I met Ed uh, uh, through the internet. You know, you've all heard of the internet, but this was the uh, a very different internet in the early or early to mid nineteen nineties through. Uh, I think the most steady thing in my entire online life has been my lurking, largely lurking on the NetTime mailing list, which is a collection of sort of, uh, left wing slash anarchist media critic, hacker, programmer, rabble rouser types. Um, and, uh, they've, they've always kept, kept a nice strain of, uh, critical, uh, anti-technology hype going on in my mind. And it also led to some friendships, including Ed's. When I moved out to San Francisco, he was already here. And so he was one of my first friends, though, unfortunately, he has long ago moved on uh, to the wilds of Oregon. uh, So we only occasionally... Chat, but they're uh, they're always stimulating. He always takes me a little far, farther than than I think I'm ready to go. Uh, I also want to mention that he he blog, uh, he tweets as Faustrol and also as a blog called Congruenz, C-O-N-G-R-U-E-N-Z, which has got some really powerful reflective essays. He's not trying to pander to the uh, the, the speedy, in-groupy, uh, hyper-referential pop culture blat of uh, so much – I just made that word up, by the way uh, – j- uh, of so much online writing. These are uh, thoughtful, deep, and sometimes, again, rather challenging uh, explorations. So – uh, so I said, "Hey, let's have a conversation." So Ed goes, "All right." So here he is. Hi, Ed. Hey, Eric. How's it going, man? You're in, you're in our nation's capital, aren't you?
1: Yes, I am. Yes, I am.
0: Yeah. Did you did you go see the the Burning Man exhibit?
1: I did. I did. I did. Yeah.
0: It's, what it's was your impression? See,
1: it's neat to see it um, infecting the larger populace with some of its. Uh, some of its twists and turns it was it was pretty amazing to see all the families and um a lot of kids interacting with it uh i got the sense of a a uh, hyperstition or 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 some 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 turn in the culture going out into ever larger uh uh, interactions or a a deeper interaction with a greater pluralism of, of, of the society. So that's, that's amazing to see that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's, I, for me, it's just, it's just so, uh, confusing because and this is a theme I've mentioned many times, you know, people have been listening to the show and it's one of those, uh, you know, we can talk more about it. One of the things we've been talking about recently is this kind of weird tension when you when you have a public voice and you're being listened to by people you don't know and having some influence on the kind of larger world of, of discourse. Um, there's this weird tension between vulnerability and exposure. You know, like there's some things that I that I, that are very personal to me that I, I think is are are good to reveal, even if they're vulnerable, because they might involve me suffering or not knowing or discovering contradictions about myself. And clearly there's a lot of hunger for that out there. People like it when people they're listening to who they don't actually know personally, you know, sort of go through this stuff. And there's the rise of the memoir and all that. And at the same time, there's sort of also a sense about the real need to kind of keep certain walls, certain things uh, concealed. Uh, And that's a very interesting tension that I I wouldn't really have thought about. Not that I'm that well-known, but I'm well-known enough that it's like an issue that I have to wrestle with. Anyway, this is, uh, you know, uh, a long way of saying that one of the the vulnerabilities that I have is realizing that how it's complicated for me uh, having written about this stuff as well as participating in it for so long, all this underground stuff, whether it's occultism or psychedelics or Burning Man or, you know, neo-shamanism, traveler culture, uh, all this kind of Uh, underground stuff. And, you know, so many of these things, almost all of them are now sort of part of the mainstream in some sense. And they're being claimed by others. They're being uh, spoken about by others. Um, And it's a weird feeling uh, because, you know, on the one hand, when that shift happens, you no longer can own it. And it made me realize like I kind of like it wasn't like I own Burning Man. I mean, I wasn't even that deep into it. I didn't know a lot of the major players. I wasn't like super inside the like, you know, a line circle of, of Burning Man. But it was something I've been going to since 94. And I certainly identified with it and identified as someone who was kind of writing or trying to be a public intellectual from that space. And so now that it's sort of part of the mainstream, it's this weird sense because you kind of don't own it anymore. Um And uh, and then along with that is my realization that while I was always attracted to certain things about all these subcultures, again, magic, psychedelics, weird religion, um, travel culture, Burning Man, San Francisco, New Age weirdness, whatever, all those things that there was always part of the charge was that they were at some level marginal or Not part of like the mainstream something that your parents didn't quite understand and now that it's sort of all out there it's there's this really weird kind of crisis of like identity because I it's like my whole shtick not just in public but also just in my mind was sort of based on having this kind of foot in something that was outside uh, and it's not really clear that that outside exists anymore. So when I think of what I heard about Burning Man at, at the Smithsonian, I was just like, oh man, I mean, like on the one hand, I'm totally psyched. Cause like all those kids from the Midwest are like going, what is this stuff? And you know, great, you know, and I think everyone should go to Burning Man at this point. I mean, it's like a great thing to blow your mind. I mean, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. And at the same time, there's this kind of weird loss, uh, uh, a sort of attachment to something that that's no longer the case.
1: Yes, I, I that's fascinating. I, I I hold that tension in myself as well, where and it, so many of us have have realized that the really interesting things are taking place at these boundaries or or these or these margins, and and we've embraced that and and i think we also want other people to experience it uh and the but the, the group itself is such such this massive normalizing entity uh that that it 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 will turn in everything into something it can it can share across its commonality whether that's a price in the markets or or just some, some really generic affect that doesn't have any of the subtlety of of what emerges in the margins. And then you have this weird thing where where the outsider has become a, 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 a shtick, you know. Um it it's 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 fascinating. One of the things that blew me away was the exhibit is is in the Renwick, which is right next to the White House, <laughs> which is really this kind of amazing thing where you, you walk across the, this walkway where you can sort of see the White House and all these tourists are, are, are hanging out there, and then you go to the Renwick Gallery and there's this Burning Man um, exhibit going on there. And it's, it's fascinating to see, see these worlds so close to each other but with 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 the access to it still kind of hidden in a way, unless unless people knew that the Burning Man exhibit was going in there, uh, going on in there, unless they are inclined to look at art, and unless they have that contemplative drive of some or, or even interest, they're going to walk right past it. They're not going to they're not going to go into it. Um, so, so there's always that it is, it is, it is sealed in some sense, you know, that's that open secret paradox. It's, it's, it's being made generic, which is what the group is doing. The group makes things generic, which does allow us to interact with each other at, at, at the large scale that we are doing right now. Um, and yet, we can lose that 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 access to the to the variance or to the to the margin in, inside of ourselves and i think that that's yeah. where it really comes down to.
0: Well that's the thing I, I what i was wrestling with is that here here's here's another version of this conundrum which is in a way a classic one you know all the whole the stories of subcultures in the west in america post war subcultures let's say it's just it's it's this basic line about the point of whether, whether you're selling out or whether you're, you know, and you've been a co-opted, those are all the words we use, you co-opted, selling out, absorbed, or, you know, you got something that people like and, and, and it's, and it influences society in a positive way and it goes out there and, and th- change happens. And that's just sort of, it's like this baseline story. And it's at the heart of Burning Man as well. You know, when I, 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 uh, wrote the libretto for this, uh, rock opera, the uh, uh, How to Survive the, ap- the Apocalypse, um, this Burning Man rock opera that we did about a decade ago. Next year will be a decade from the main performance, although it had it had a couple different versions. Uh, and it was, you know, really fun, really rich thing, and it was really interesting to write about. I mean, I, lo- I love writing the lyrics for the song, but the, the c- core tension in the story is between um, you know, these early characters at, at Burning Man when it starts out and it's just super edgy and nobody knows about it and it's just raw and there's no laws, there's guns, there's no organization, it's dangerous, da 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 And then at some point as it grows, there's clearly a bifurcation point. And some people, including Larry Harvey and most of the board, were like, we're going forward, we're going to start making it more like a city, we're going to start making it more organized. And it's that kind of process of development of Civilization, if you will, and there were some early people who jumped off the uh, the boat, famously after 1996, and they kind of held the, the 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 sort of high bar of the underground, of of like look of the what we do is secret. Of the look, once you start making all of those compromises, then things fundamentally change, and the mystery that motivates this becomes impossible. And so this is like this basic conundrum that exists in so much cultural production and so my version of it now is like like okay it feels it feels sort of um uh precious and kind of um uh i don't know what the word is exactly but it it, to, to just hold on to like oh it was better before the undergrad it was better when when meditate when mindfulness was just on the the fringe of the real passionate ones like it's it's lame now that mindfulness is part of corporate america and i'm like can i really say that no i can't really say that if if all these people are able to use a little bit of mindfulness to bring a little bit more something into their lives to to crack the sort of you know death drive that you know that dominates our sort of busyness and our our quest for uh, for the ego's quest to to ma- you know maintain itself and to claw its way forward in the world and, and like the idea that some people have access to this is is bad it's just so lame and yet there is something that is lost there's something real that is lost when things go mainstream so my question is like how do I? How do? Where's that? Where's the new edge? Where's the new margin? Is it in my soul? Is it actually just among me and my friends? Is it? Is it between me and nature? Are they, I, I just don't know. Is it? It might not be able to take a cultural form anymore because anything that gets, gets rolling, in today's environment just gets absorbed into the you know internet machine so quickly and discussed and blogged about and attacked and. You know, overcoded and politicized in all these sort of almost algorithmic ways that we see on Twitter, and so I, it doesn't really look like there's space for that kind of underground cultural, you know, expression or discovery. Uh, with some, with some very few exceptions, but where does that energy go?
1: Yeah, I think I think that energy is in us, in our our ability to to be with. What is and and to to hold that hold that tension and 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 not turn away from looking at the difficult sides of it at the same time that we realize you know that's that thing of that you and I' have been talking about for years about reverie it, 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 it can be included in our reverie I, we, we can be the ones that notice these things uh, for ourselves and realize the depth that the moment is coming out of in every moment for us however it, however generic it might appear to a large group of people who are trying to index it and 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 however generic everybody might be trying to make themselves appear to be for others which is you know what goes on in the group that's that constant activity in the group where everybody's trying to appear to be something for other people when you dig in there, you find underneath, and all, and all of these people, this 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 wild, unwooly or unwieldy, wooly, wooly reality that that is is the real of, of 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 each one of these people, all all sort of pretending to get along and go along and and do all these things, and so it's this amazing thing to realize that how gnarly it is, and and. And because we've been playing in these spaces for a long time, we know how gnarly we are. Yeah,
0: no, it's true. I mean, that's one of the things that I'm always reminded of when, when we talk or when I when I read your stuff is your your call to kind of stay with uh, the, the difficulty or, you know, stay with, the, the, the inner madness or stay with the, the depression or the despair or the looking unto death, not in a way where you're, you're just indulging in it or just, you know, kind of submitting to, you know, the, the rumor ruminative fictions that, you know, in so many ways drive something like depression. Um, but at the same time you're, you're, you, you, there's this like steady, resistance to distraction and to uh, another iteration of the flight towards some kind of naive hope or some kind of fantasy of pleasure or power. Um, and, and that does seem to be really key to me now that, that if part of what this conversation is about is about uh, the dare I use the term authenticity or perhaps sincerity is a better term. Uh, because so many people have torn about the the even idea of authenticity. But if that's part of what we're talking about, this mystery that still exists, the 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 edge, the, what it is in the marginal that that um, that is valuable and that is not translated well to the mass, it increasingly seems to me today that it has to do with like the the pain of being alive or the or the confusion of being alive right now, not just the sort of, um, uh, human condition that we know we're going to die, that we're losing our friend, you know, whatever all like that, that's part of it too. But it also seems that there's a particular way right now that our, our essential fears and hopes are being weaponized against us through media, through, uh, you know, politics as a kind of affect game. Um, and that there's a real power in really just looking at the real and not turning away from it because it's it's hard to you know it's hard to monetize that because it's kind of a bummer. So yeah. there's something there <laughs> that's, that's not just about like facing up to reality, kid, and you're gonna die and you should like look at death and da da da. I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways to talk about the the uh, wrestling with the dark side uh, or the challenges of being human. Um, but it also seems there's a particular kind of tonic to it now that um makes it even more important to to talk about, to to embrace in, in ourselves and, and among our uh, compatriots,
1: yeah, absolutely. and and to to be someone who has that ethic of 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 being with the real is 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 to be a person who helps lead other people into ex, accept or in in be, beginning to become a little more aware of the of the range of their experiences the range of of possible emotions that are constantly going on in people and and because they're indexing themselves so much to the group and to these idealizations and the expectations that are put out by all of the Supportive industries that are there to support all the all that all that unreality, um, and then it's you know thrown back and forth between people. To be a person who has has that is 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 to have earned it, earned the ability to communicate with other people because people will intuitively know that you have really bit on this reality and chewed it and began begun to actually digest it. And and it will have a curious effect on people because that range is there in you. You've earned it, you know, by, by actually tolerating some of these things that other people are have considered intolerable. And that gives you an aliveness that, that, that carries you through, whatever difficulties emerge and they, and they will emerge, you know, that's, that's the nature of, of the game.
0: Yeah. Well, what it, what it reminds me of is there's uh, two things is that I've always been interested in, in terrible smells and in bitter (laughs) food or bitter substances. And I love
1: that,
0: you know, the terrible smells. I, I have a really good sense of smell uh, which is more of a curse than a blessing. And so, you know, if I, you know, I remember the first time I started noticing it, it was like, it was like a kid on, I was living in Greece and I used to take the bus and, you know, people didn't bathe as much there as they, as they do in the States. And I was like, man, this is steak. This is nasty. And so when you're, when you're sensitive to smell, like I can, sometimes I'm in cafes and I can smell the garbage that's outside and the you know, the, the alleyway, I'd be through a window or whatever, and I can smell the rot rotting mice in a pile So of people don't smell. And my mom tells me it gets even worse is as, is as, 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 at least for her. She she as she got older and I have the same thing. And there's so there's some kind of weird feature there that I just at some point embraced. And I was like, well, if I got to smell it, I just like it's like a mix it's like you have like a – you know, I'm going along in my life and I'm having a good day and whatever, and then there I am and there's a, a nasty smell. It's kind of like, you know, I'm I'm, mi- I'm mixing a track or something and it's got, you know, happy beats and there's like a major chord and, you know, it's going along and then you kind of mix in some re- like really nasty like uh, distorted guitar or some kind of really depressing <laughs> post-industrial noise or something. And it's like – it's just part of the mix. And so I've always been interested in like when – I sense the sort of dark or the repulsive or the 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 that which you don't want in your scene. It's like to just kind of like sniff it to be like, oh, what's that about? Okay, what's this? You know, uh, let's sort of see how that kind of folds in. And the same thing with eating bitter things. You're like, oh, it's bitter, and it's like, well, yeah, well, it's not killing you. What do you care? Taste, what, see what bitter is like. And even and those like practices with sensation inevitably become allegorical. So that that aspects of emotion, aspects of political situations, aspect of dealing with unpleasant or actively noxious people and situations can sometimes be sort of embraced but not uh, completely uh, not in a way that like overwhelms me because of developing this kind of willingness to take on some of this dark stuff and I think I think a lot of that's what we're talking about it, or that's kind of the conundrum is how to look at the real and and figure out ways of doing it that uh, that allows you to not get swallowed up by it, so swallowed up by it that you become stuck in depression or you become isolated or you become uh, paranoid or you become t- pessimistic with a capital P you know and that it's yeah, so it's almost yeah. like it's a path of uh it's like a tightrope walk where you, where you you don't want to fall down you don't want to fall but you're in, in an essence going farther and farther towards something that that you're also kind of uh, don't want to deal with
1: yes that's excellent i love that i i do those kind of things too where and i think i think this idea of reverie really fits into that you, you, you feed on the real with, with your reverie capacity. And I practice having that available to me at all times so that, so that I have that little, little screen or or place or little, I even call it a little, my little scratch pad where, where that's my, my place to register, register what's, what's happening to me. And it's, 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 it's a, it's a, a place of reverie. It's a, it's like a little theater or a screen. And and it's really interesting to me to notice that there are other people that are doing this and to also notice that a lot of people that have gotten interested in meditation, and they do need to develop these, the skills of the more kind of CBT or cognitive skills, coping mechanisms and all that stuff. But a lot of people are approaching meditation purely as a, a kind of set of coping mechanisms to almost kind of avoid the emotions and and what i've noticed is that and i and i do see that in the in the in the great traditions as well is that meditation has not in any way kept me from feeling the impact of my experience and in fact i've gotten more capable of of feeling things uh incredibly difficult experiences strange events uh opening to the unknown states of states of absolute uh terror even and and what i'm doing i'm working on is developing a capacity to register register that inside of myself and then respond creatively to the actual situation that's around me and and so allowing myself to for example be be uh affected by other people and their their mental state and then responding some ways of being in that and then responding creative creatively to it so that I don't yeah. get I don't get stuck in those states but I certainly feel them
0: yeah I think for me the a lot of the, the challenge is the not getting stuck part I mean I I mean I can be I, I tend towards uh depression and so I can be knocked off my like middle, you know, like my little middle path where I'm kind of accepting these things and moving forward and being open to all the emotional sway. And then I can like realize that I've spent the whole day kind of sunk in this way. And then that can be triggered by people. It can definitely be triggered by just by busyness, by the ordinary hassle of our complicated you know, hassle ridden lives of technology and money flowing and this and that and all that kind of stuff. So it's sort of an annoying, you know, it's like, it's like one of the things that I wrestle with is like, is the return of the banal. It's like when I'm facing, you know, death or, uh, you know, the the political situation or, you know, these things that have some kind of drama to them, it's a lot easier for me. But when I'm really just in the banal, that's where, like, the real resistance is sometimes. And my, uh, I had a, a, a psychologist friend who, who talked about that. He said, you know, back in Freud's time, it was all about sex because sex was where it, the stuff hid. It was in that, those domains that people's real stuff hid now because cultures change so much about sexuality and repression and all these things that it's not there anymore. And most people keep looking for it there, but, it, but he was all about, it's, it's in the banal, it's in the, or yeah. it's in the ordinary that the yeah. stuff lies, you know, and it's a, it's a, so for me, it's an interesting kind of balance is like, can I, you know, so it's one thing to smell like the, the, the rotting mouse but it's another thing to smell like the like in, a, in an office, that weird kind of metallic ionic smell of like the printer, you know, like the printer paper. And it's got that weird like dull gray, like, you know, the horror of the of, of the cube farm kind of smell or like burnt coffee <laughs> in an office or something. And it's like that's a lot harder in a way because it smells like despair. It smells like like no exit you know?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I think that's really great that you're, you're dreaming that. Um, I, I think, you know, I see people practicing misery. I mean, it's this amazing thing to watch, you know, like, like people have got all their armor on and they're practicing misery. They're performing it for each other and they perform the drudgery and, um, it's 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 an elaborate performance, you know, and and um, it's very catchy. I think I think it's something we circulate around, um, and there are these gateways to to more radically strange and weird places inside of ourselves that are right there at those at those at those borders of of of, of boredom and exhaustion. I mean, I just, you know, there's so much, I'm just, it's just exhausting the amount of stuff that's thrown at you. And then, um, uh, and then, and then the, the banality of it, the board, the, you know, the, the boredom. So I've, I've turned around and I'm like, oh, wow, this is fascinating boredom and, and, and the, the utter uniformity and the, and the, uh, dreariness of it, you know, um, it's 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 it, it's fascinating. It, I, I I wonder if it isn't some way that we're we're circulating around that because because the alternative is even more uh, unnerving, which is these much more open spaces inside of our inside of ourselves that we haven't uh, that no one's really noticing or, or paying attention to, and that leads me to this tension that between the ordinary and the normal. Because I think the ordinary, in a deeper sense, in the sense that some of these philosophers are trying to dream the ordinary, or artists are, is, is this totally wide open, totally weird uh, reality that we're living in. And then the normal is, that, is what the group is trying to reassure itself about by reduplicating itself over and over again and normalizing. And that's what the group does, and it's beautiful for that. That's what, that's what, you know, the, the stock market's all about. That's what, what, what all this, you know, it's about, about normalization and, and we're fascinated by all these population studies and all this stuff. And everybody's become such an expert in the group and, and is completely neglecting their, their direct experience. Yeah. I I I want
0: to, want to get back to something you said before about meditation, because I think that was really a key point. And it's something that, you know, we talk about meditation a lot on the show and, um, that, that the, you know, the good, the good way of framing it is that even if people are turning to meditation largely therapeutically or in the mode of like cognitive behavior therapy, where you're learning how you're, your mind, your, your mind loops work, you're learning to disidentify, you're learning to create space around something that is a compulsion or an addiction or just to like ter- shut down the, the, the chatter for a while just as kind of a, a palate cleanser. Yeah, and those are all really good things. But that simultaneously you are developing what I like to think of in for, – for reasons I can explain, what I like to think of is this category of taste of tasting, of being able to stay with whatever is happening and taste it. And that's why I use those examples from sensation, from smells or bitterness, is that there's there's a way in which meditation creates a mind that's incredibly sensitive and with very little um, overcoating that's really able to open to what's happening and For me, the metaphor of looking at that relationship rather than looking or observing, which is a lot of what you find in like Vipassana, where like you observe the breath or you observe the arising of sensation. To my mind, that's a little Spock-like to my mind that 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 approach underscores the Western tendency towards being a a manipulator, a technological controller. There's too much control in that approach. But tasting is different because you're like, you got to get involved with the object, but taste is sort of both the tasting the object, but also kind of breaking down the difference between an object and who you are. It comes inside of you. And so Developing all of these skills to stay with things, to not get caught up in mind loops, to stay open to the world, is, is if you think about it like tasting, well, suddenly everything is kind of interesting. Like the most boring situation or, or a, a re- repulsive person that you're forced to deal with or, or a bore at a party uh, I was just at a, a dinner table and I sat across from a boar and I was like, oh yeah, it's going to be annoying. Like, uh, here we go. Like, there's no way out. You know, like, let's see, like, what's, what's this going to be like? Almost as if like you were incarnated from some place where there was nothing interesting happening at all. And you find yourself back in the world, except it's kind of a shitty situation. <laughs> so you're like, well, Hey, this is still pretty good though. What is it? Oh, look at boredom. Wow. You know, like to sort of develop the capacity to enjoy you know, to enjoy things that are not that the group does not recognize as enjoyable, is a very empowering thing that keeps alive that that sensibility, that exploratory, that aesthetic um, juiciness that I think gets lost when we um, turn meditation or mindfulness into a technology of managing affect. Uh, it becomes too much a part of what we're already suffering from.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's, that's really good. Yeah, I think, I think people, people, people need that. They, they, they're, that, they, that's the proximal reason why they go into meditation is because they're being overwhelmed and they're, they're looking for some relief. And so that, that, that I honor that in people that, that need. And there seems to be two well one simple way of talking about it is that there's two two movements there one is the need to get a little distance to 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 not be overwhelmed to self regulate and then this this need and the desire to make contact with the real or with one's own emotions with, with with one's own direct experience and
0: and when you have
1: a robust enough ability to Find your footing again, then then you're then you're more capable of letting go and being like, hey, I want to experience, I need to experience this directly. I can't afford to have all these buffers. I can't afford to convince myself that that I'm an expert in the next moment because you know, because I'm not. And and um, if I'm open to it, it's it's scary as you as you said, but it's also so enlivening. And and then I can be more creative in my response to whatever is appearing in the, in, the, in the moment. I don't have to be in control, and 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 I don't want to be in control. I I want I want to let let life happen. I want to see what's what's going to wash on shore in the next in the next moment. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm What I for some reason I've been uh, recently also I've been thinking about is is there's a tension between, let's say, sincerity and irony, uh, and that part of what we could could listen to what we're talking about partly as a call for sincerity, for not getting caught up in the usual stories, for being with what's actually happening, for being open to the real or the reality of our experience. And there's sort of a call towards, you know, away from irony, away from this sort of referentiality, et cetera, et cetera, towards this kind of um, sincerity that can that can that that we often associate with with the real, with what's really happening, the you know, authentic truth. And yet, there seems to be something in um, irony in all of this that that were this. There's a way in which irony can be used, or or some kind of humor, or some kind of suspension from from uh the kind of push of the real that is actually helps serve this process that we're talking about. I don't know if this is being obscure. So let let no, me know if this makes sense to you.
1: That's right on. I'm so so right there with you. That's exactly. That's so great that you mentioned that because we desperately need irony um and 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 um it, especially when when we're, so many things are being thrown at us in every moment there's so many so many claims and calls upon us and so many expectations uh, that that happen or that are put upon us or that we feel or that we generate for ourselves you know so we desperately need that and I, I think that that's missing in a lot of a lot of uh, Purveyors of, of cultural products is that they're they're often lacking in a, in a sense of humor, um, and and I think it goes really well with 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 sincerity, with 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 the real. We 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 need both of those aspects.
0: You know, it's Absolutely. funny when I'm what what's coming to mind is earlier you talked about you know um, how people get stuck in their misery and they perform their misery. And so I'm thinking of an example of like when you have like a uh, an encounter at Walmart, and then there's the person who's working behind the register, and there's this there's sort of three options because you, they can be uh, well there's a number of options but one is like well, however they behave you can tell that they're bummed whatever they're working at Walmart or there's something else going on but there's kind of a there's either like an overt Unhappiness, grimness, or a kind of really like like weak performance of the friendly person. Then there's the other side, which is almost equally disturbing when they seem absolutely genuinely happy in what they're doing. Because you're like, this is a weird scene. Like, I mean, this is kind of a rough ride. Like, it's sort of like like maybe you're just a preternaturally happy person, or you're you're so involved in some kind of delusion that that you're not, you know, like, uh, you don't kind of feel the sort of weirdness of the scene. I mean, maybe Walmart isn't that example, because it's not that bad to be a, a checker at Walmart, but that's just the one that came to mind. But what, what I'm trying to describe is the situation when you meet people in difficult situations, where there's a joy and a real sense of connection. And at the same time, there's an acknowledgement that the situation itself is kind of lame. And that to me is like a use of irony that's not the irony that removes us from situation or makes us the know-it-alls or makes us above whatever's going on. There's a way of being ironic that's joyful and open to connection, but is not fooled or is not su- uh, sub- uh, subvert, uh, submersing itself in some kind of happy land talk of which we hear so much of these days um, and that it it maintains this edge, but it can be joyous. It can be a real connection.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really good. Absolutely. I, I, it's that range. It's some, some, you know, it's across a certain range. You you get that sense that person has a sense of the, of the different, of, of, of different perspectives on, on, on their experience. And and so you can play in that space with them as well. You also have a range of, of 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 perspectives, and 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 the two of you, the two of you can share in that in that place. And, and if another person doesn't, you know, if they're if they're only expressing one side of of the dialectic then then you can you can notice that and be like oh, okay and and sort of wonder you know is this person in a manic state or are they are they you know just c- completely lost in in their in their misery um and and just accept that you know like w- and it's also just a snapshot of that person too. You don't you don't know. Ten minutes later, they could be you know if they were in a manic state. Ten minutes later, they could be so exhausted or you know or or, or throwing a fit or you just don't know. It, you you know,
0: know, I wanted to ask you a little more about about reverie. Yeah. You talked about reverie earlier, and, yeah. you, and I I think you gave a good sort of uh, suggestion of what that means for you. But I just if you could be more a detail or more specific about what the practice of reverie is for you and how it serves these, these, the, the kinds of topics we've been talking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's, it's something there's, there's a bunch of people that are, that are, are practicing, practicing it um, in, di- in different areas. Uh, you know, as, as you know, like a lot of artists and stuff like that. Um, and, 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 and also psychoanalysts and, and, and people who, who work with other people. Um, but for me, I think it's been a, 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 a steady part of my life. Um, ever since I was, I was pretty young and, um, it's something that I, that I've cultivated more and more. So one thing I do is, is I do allow myself, um, and I have allowed myself a lot of contemplative time so that I've been able to listen to myself in a, in a deep way, and then um, and I have cultivated this capacity to sort of dream while I'm awake to to allow allow my experience to emerge and then allow allow for that to become almost dreamlike and one of the ways that uh one guy talks about it he says that every time somebody says something to him he he adds i had a dream to what they said so he takes in he can take in the most banal statements by people and 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 dream it uh and dream it from a a symbolic perspective and and sort of play with it and 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 Wonder what's emerging in the field uh, in any in any moment. So it's kind of almost like this this um, this delay space or, or 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 openness to experience where one allows the depths of consciousness to emerge in a free way. Uh, so images could appear, or, or funny thoughts, or, or funny, funny sensations. Um, uh, someone could say something really, really funny um, or odd, uh, and it could have a resonance for you. But part of reverie is creating that free space where it doesn't necessarily have to fit into any predefined plan. It, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. it it could. You just don't know. And you just let it sort of let you you hang out in that place and you let it let it emerge for you.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me,
1: one of the key terms
0: there is 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 resonance uh, for two reasons. One, resonance is is a great metaphor. and It's no accident that we see it, you know, play out in, in, say, discussions of poetry or in uh, even in like New new Age metaphysics in a way, because it there's something kind of mysterious about resonance in the sense that it's both something that we're doing and something that's being kind of in a way done to us. Like when we're resonating, it's because there's some other signal, there's some other idea or image or event that really strikes us in some way. So in some sense, we're not choosing to be struck by this particular thing. It just strikes us. And yet we also have to be kind of open to that possibility for it to happen at all. So there is some kind of active we're, we have to be active to allow resonance to happen. And it's almost like we have to we have to carve out the echo chamber that allows resonance to really sing so that we can notice it and not just like run over it as we repeat our our more kind of formulaic, get ahead, algorithmic kind of mind. Um so but that's sort of the question I have for you is that how how active do you feel like you need to get away from the kinds of thinking that in some sense the society is geared towards processing information, handling information flow, using your your presets to organize the world to be more efficient and to get ahead with what you need to do and get your ego feeling like it has some control we need to interrupt that or in somehow in, in in spaces in our lives, maybe even throughout all of our life to have that space uh, going uh, or opening how how have you come to that? Is it something you've had to work
1: on or is it oh, yeah for sure it's constant constant work I think you know and then what what's interesting I've noticed is that is that it took a lot of a lot of work to and it still does to really contact myself in a place of, 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 of quietness and, 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 and a deep, deep listening to, to the totality of what's, what's happening for me. And, and then what I, what I have cultivated, and I think it's a really interesting thing to cultivate, is this ability to then allow more stimulated states of consciousness to be present and still have that contact with the reverie. So, so I can be in the midst of a social interaction. I can be in the midst of, of all kinds of crazy stuff. And I still have access to that reverie now. So it's, it's, it's another track that's running and, and I can go back and forth and, and then I can also be totally, you know, caught up or overwhelmed or, or, these kind of things and, and still have that, have access to that, to that reverie track, even in the midst of the stimulus. But that takes a while. Uh, so lots of time being unplugged, lots of time just allowing for a spontaneity of, of my, of my being lots of toleration of, of, of state that I don't necessarily want to be in. Um, lots of, lots of just allowing and trusting myself, even, even like a weird, uh, thought that I keep having to, having to think, trusting, trusting that there's some reason why I am so hung up on something if I am, and, 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 and being with myself as I am for, for long enough for, for, for that to feel right and to fit for me in terms of my relationship to other people and my relationship to life. Um, yeah,
0: it's fu- it's funny. What's coming to mind now is, in a way, going back to the beginning of of, of our talk was I made this just dis- you know distinction between conversation and interview, and in a way, that's sort of what what we're talking about. Like a real conversation, you you don't know where it's going, and it's a little weird to have it live and in, in front of an audience or whatever we're doing right now, where there's not really a plan. And maybe you know I say something and it's not really what I meant, or you say something and it's kind of obscure or whatever. The thing is. And yet, and so there's a, a freedom and also a kind of risk that you you don't know where you're going. Where it's so much easier. This would be so much easier to interview. Where I have a set of ideas. I'm going to ask you about how, what your position is on certain things. And then if you say something, I'll maybe I'll you know clarify it. And some of that's obviously part of the conversation as well. But in a way, it's like to have that 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 space you have when you have a real conversation. When and I I definitely feel like conversation is like one of those things that's right there in the open it's an open secret it's something that we all have the opportunity to do that that is is not just about being in ourselves and not just about being you know uh, unplugged and not dealing with other people and yet the difference between having a conversation being playful being spontaneous not knowing where you're going uh, resonating picking up on odd things that the other person said and, and moving it in that direction is sort of an open secret for creating the kind of space that we're talking about, whereas too often, and I'm talking about myself as well, you know, we follow the routine. We know the scripts. We're going to say the script. We're talking, hey, mom, how are you doing? Da-da-da. You know, you, 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 it's just easier to interview in my terms. It's easier to just kind of follow a script or to be very clear about who's the one who's, who's driving the conversation. But if you have two people and neither of them's driving, then in a way you're opening up reverie in between people. So in the world, not just in your own head as you, you know, walk down the street alone and, you know, daydream. Uh, and and but it's it's a tough art. Like, I I feel like I, I usually fail. Like, I'm it's usually when I have these more open ended conversations for for the podcast, I al- always feel that they were a failure. Even if people say, "Oh, I really love that," I, it always feels like I didn't do it. <laughs> like I didn't provide something. It's it's a strange feeling.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, that's great. I I think that's perfect. I I conversation is is, is such a such a skill. It requires such development. It's easier. It's easier to be a, 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 a or to present oneself. I mean, it's probably not. It's easier to be present oneself as a master, as someone who knows something, um, even if you're not really one, um, because you're not going to be opening yourself up. And and you you've said that to me many times, uh, and and I feel that that the the aliveness of, of of the conversation. And I really honor that in you. I think you have a real capacity to enter into conversation with people, and you do constantly on the show. And I love that part of it, um, because to me that's where it gets interesting—the places where we're not sort of pre-pre digested and uh, 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 setting some kind of set form that we've we're. we're pretending to have mastered for other people. And and I, I recognize that you know, people perform that as a useful function in society and all that. But it but it's not it's not that raw openness to conversation. And and that takes a lot of skill, a lot of development. It's 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 not easy. It's actually more challenging.
0: Yeah. And it's also just doing this. There's it, what's interesting is that, you know, I, this is I do this for free. You know, I, I don't have a Patreon. I don't get any money. It's non remunerative. So it's a, a hobby, a, a public service, uh, a, a a sort of form of reliable ego gratification. I mean, it's like it, I could I don't even know what, what it is and why I kind of keep doing it. But one of the interesting tensions is I notice the more anxious or the more um, uh, kind of grasping, I feel, the more I want it to conform to some idea of like a successful podcast where I'm participating in the conversation of the day and we're all talking about Jordan Peterson and we're all talking about uh, Stephen Pinker and we're all talking about rationalism or Trump or whatever, whatever the thing is. And then like we're participating in it. And and I really clutch after that sometimes. I really want and I, I don't tend to look at numbers and they're hard to do with podcasts anyway. And I don't really try to think about how the followers are happening. And I don't try to monetize it and I don't do marketing to make it clean. And and ge- and in general I do all that because I want to serve the conversation. I want to serve the mystery. But when I'm feeling weak about it, it just feels lame. Like, oh my God, I've got this platform. Now I can really, you know start playing with the big boys and, you know, get up there and like be a figure. And, 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 and at the same time, <laughs> it's sort of too late. Like I can't really do it. So I'm in this like, 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 a sh- like I'm a shlemiel podcaster, or something. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> which I, I, what, what? I, I like it's part of the charm, but it, it's a, but it's so in addition to being difficult to have it, it's also sort of, I mean, it's difficult in that way too. It's difficult to, um, I guess, yeah, be vulnerable in that sense, be vulnerable in not, trying to be you know a figure that way
1: yeah and and it's so much more interesting and and exciting my heart sinks when 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 these they have the whoa blah, 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 and it's all this pre preset thing or the person who's supposed to be funny all the time or or and you can hear it in that person's being, and everybody is hearing it. We're all hearing it. We can hear the range inside of your little heart. We know why you created that persona. I mean, it's it. We may not even admit it to ourselves, but it's obvious to all of us. And we're 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 hungry for for some some open places inside of other people, inside of the media that we're 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 constantly uh, feeding on.
0: Well, I, 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 in the mention of feeding on media, I'm afraid that our our meal is done yeah. for the day. We have reached our max. Ed, thanks so much for uh, for joining me on on expanding mine.